0: Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to Marvel's The Pull for new comics out November 7th, 2018. I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. And every week, we run you through all the new comics that come out. The print issues, the digital issues, collections, singles, new stuff hitting the apps. We get excited. I'm excited because I got a haircut. Oh, it looks sharp. Thanks. That's it's... something
1: that, like, your grandparents would say. Yeah. You
0: look sharp, bud. Yeah, here's a quarter. <laughs> uh, get my haircut. Underground, in the entrance to the subway, which is a very yes. New York City thing to do. I know exactly which place you're talking about. Do you? It's not mm, the one by the office. Not. Yeah, well, then I it's don't. It's the one. That's the best thing, though. <laughs> there are multiple <laughs> yeah. places underground by the subway entrances in yeah. New York City where you can get yourself a haircut by a guy who kind of doesn't fully speak English, but gets exactly yes. what you want yes to do. Uh, I also saw my mom this weekend. It was great. And I had read all my comics before the weekend even came, so I had A fun, free, relatively work free wow, weekend. That's I'm nice. here, I'm refreshed and ready to talk about the new books, Tucker.
1: All right, we're starting today with As Guardians of the Galaxy number three. This is As Guardians of the Galaxy versus the Undead God of Thunder. Whoa, it is written by Colin Bunn with art by Matteo Lali with Andre Lima Rajo as well as Jill Thompson, Mike Del Mundo on pencils with colors by Federico Blee with Eric Seniega as well as Jill Thompson and Mike Del Mundo and letters throughout by VCs Corey Petit. There is a lot of kind of differing art styles contrasting in really, really cool ways throughout this entire issue. To break it down even further for you, Throg. Just Throg himself is done by Jill Thompson. There are also Nebula pages done by Andre Alima Araujo. He covers uh, her specifically, and then uh, Mike Mundo covers Scourge specifically. Uh, This issue is really cool because, speaking of Nebula, we we kind of dig into Nebula more and more uh, with this issue in particular, and I love it because we really get to feel the complexities of her as a character. Uh, We get some shape-shifty, wonderful uh, weirdness in these great Mike DelMundo Scourge pages. And throughout, though, we get some just fantastic undead action.
0: Yeah, and there's this little wrinkle in the book about these undead gods, right? And Mm -hmm. I think the thing that Cullen writes is really neat is that the Asgardians, they go through Ragnarok over and over and over again. So they leave these husks essentially these dead god bodies behind and their spirits go on to the next god body these are left behind which leaves them as fodder for this thing that is using undead gods i think that's such a cool idea because then you have like a husk of odin you have Mm -hmm. a husk of thor and they're still those characters but yet they aren't
1: right it's neat yeah it's really cool this is kind of Its own little vortex of just so much cosmic goodness and we're seeing more and more of that throughout this issue and as we move forward yeah it's great it's great it's great and (laughs) from cosmic to
0: swords and sorcery oh yeah i love this book so much right now champions number 26 written by jim zub art by max dunbar with colors by nolan woodard and letters by vcs clayton cowles like i said Sword and Sorcery. We talked about this last time. We had an issue of Champions. It's a piece of comics that we don't have a lot of all the time. And we're going to get more of it once Conan comes back, which I'm very much looking forward to. And so we're getting this here. This is definitely more of the D&D style stuff. Uh, It's really scratching that itch. It's so much fun. This issue, we get to see how the villain, which is the master of the world, gets to Weird World and starts to gain power. I love that Jim is just leaning in on Master of the World like, great, here's an Alpha Flight villain that I love. Now everybody's gonna love him. (laughs) You even saw that Master of the World showed up in Old Man Hawkeye recently. Mm. Yeah, that's neat. This character who is getting his due. If you like Dungeons and Dragons, if you like Lord of the Rings, if you like superheroes, this is a delightful story to dig into. Also, I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, I have no. a, I have a copy of whatever version mm-hmm. that is still sealed.
1: I played, a, despite going to board game conventions and things like that for many years, I've only played once, and that was at a random place in Brooklyn, and my friend Bill and I went and we played until 7 a.m. We went at night, at a normal time, and then played through to the next morning. I think Bill had to go to work the next morning. I think I didn't. But it was oh, great. It was
0: that day you were out. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, how much do you get through?
1: We just, I, I think we just were so into it. We were loving it. We just were like, well, we're, I don't care. Let's keep going. Wow. And, and until we find kind of a, a place. Found, was it a place strangers? There. You just found yeah. some, that's yep. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best part. Just get a good DM and yeah, you can just totally get lost. Yeah. Really, really awesome. Uh, speaking of getting lost, you should get lost in the pages of Deadpool number six which is written by Scotty Young, with art by Scott Hepburn, colors by Ian Herring, and letters by Jeff Eckleberry. This is a really cool issue because you can kind of tell what Scotty was going for from the start. You could tell what he wanted to achieve, and that is, what if there was an issue of Deadpool in which Deadpool doesn't talk? And we make it almost all the way through with that uh, old DP saying really anything. Um, He's so
0: sad. He's sad. He's He's really sad. sad. Yeah,
1: he's having a bad day. He wakes up and he's kind of, uh, yeah, he's just not feeling it. It's really, really cool. I I specifically love how the art of this issue just feels. It feels so right eh, because there are these muted tones, these pastels and and things like that. I love the way Scott draws particularly
0: Deadpool, right? So he draws him hunched over shoulders slumped the way his like his eye slits yeah the white part of his mask mm-hmm. which emotes and you know grows and shrinks or whatever like he's just got these like closed eyes mm-hmm. he's a little down mm-hmm.
1: so he's kind of just going throughout his day doing laundry uh and there is a special assassin who is trying to kill him and today he's just like hey man if you want to do it do it you know like I'm not going to fight you today what do you think? I don't want to spoil no. the name of this no, character. No, 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 no. Uh, which is a great part of the book. Named uh, after our
0: producer who's sitting in the room with us right now.
1: Uh, yes, of course. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was a really a great joy to read, despite the fact that, you know, Wade wasn't having a, a joyous day himself.
0: Yeah. Uh, shout out to Nick Klein. One of my favorite covers of the week. The colors in particular are used really, really well mm-hmm. on that cover. Another cover that I love is Death of the Inhumans, number five. This is the end of the series. Cover by Kari Andrews. Written by Donny Cates. Art by Ariel Olivetti. Colors by Jordi Belair. And letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is the end. And it's brutal and bloody and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Again, the cover, like you get this sense of heartbreak. But it's also gorgeous. And that's kind of what we get inside. Mm-hmm. If you have not read this series yet... I think it'll actually be really exceptional once you read it as one volume, all five issues, seeing the journey of Black Bolt and the Inhumans and what they've gone through, what this means for them and how they're affected by it. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to stay away from all kinds of story spoilers.
1: Yeah, Yeah, this was nearly one of my picks of the week. I loved it so much, kind of regardless of spoilers, whether they win or whether they lose or whether they come out on top or whether they don't, whether they survive or whether they die. Everything has changed now. And capturing that feeling in this final issue was a big feat. And I thought that the entire team did a fantastic job of it. Moving on now to Doctor Strange number seven, which is written by Mark Wade with pencils by Javier Pina and Andre Squinaldo, with inks by Javier Pino, JP Meyer, Andy Owens, Roberto Poggi, and Keith Champagne, with colors by Brian Reber, Jim Campbell, and Andrew Crossley, with letters by. VCs, corporate tea. Another big, huge collaboration issue. So, basically, what's happened here, uh, Stephen Petraeus was off in space. He met a new friend in Kana and comes back to Earth. There's someone that is claiming to be him in the Sanctum Sectorum. It is not him. It is, in fact, Casey, uh, his former protege, who... He kind of forgot about was kind of lost to magic stuff. And point is in all of that, and specifically in outlining the the Casey business here, is something I loved about this issue is that this isn't a Doctor Strange versus bad guy scenario. It's not a hero versus villain. It's not that simple. The math isn't that simple. This is a lot more complex. This is someone that he holds dearly, but that has felt betrayed and is angry. And there's kind of no easy way out of that. Uh, in general, I just love the kind of strange team that is both with a capital S and a lowercase yeah. S because this is a group of weirdos. Um, alien plus Ghost Dog plus Sorcerer Supreme. And uh, yeah, this, is a, this issue is, you know, I feel like it, progresses things in a really interesting way and also kind of leaves us with a very cool moment that I'm excited to see.
0: Yeah. I, I also like the flirty bits between yes. Strange and Kana. It's not Strange flirting with an apprentice. Mm-hmm. It is them sort of flirting as equals and, you know, their relationship is an interesting one uh, and it's cool. And then has one of my favorite panels of the week, which is when Kana gets into Dr. Strange's Forge. Yeah. She is so excited, Yeah, <laughs> uh, which I would be too if I were her. It's yeah. great. Next up is Iceman number three. And uh, it's written by Cena Grace, art by Nathan Stockman, colors by Federico Blee, and letters by VC's Joe Sabino. I do want to make sure you guys know that Cena was our interview guest on last week's episode of This Week in Marvel, number 366. If you missed it, go back and give it a listen. He also goes hard in on the food puns right away this issue <laughs> with the Manhattan Street Cart Name Desire Festival. <laughs> Oh yeah, And there's a stand called Churonimo, which wow. I 100% awesome. want to eat there because I love churros. Yeah. So good. Anyway, the first third of the issue is sort of a, a date issue, a montage of or like a scene of various people on dates. You have... Bobby, he's got his cute first date with this one boy. You've got Peter Parker and Mary Jane on a date. And then you've got Angelica Jones, AKA Firestar and a date of her own. That's a Spider-Man and his amazing friends reunion, Mm. which is neat. Spider-Man and his amazing friends, old cartoon. It is an early 80s Saturday morning cartoon where you had Spider-Man, Iceman and Firestar teaming up to battle bad guys. They lived with Aunt May, I believe, and had a dog named Ms. Lion Mm. and is a very formative for many Marvel fans, I guess, of course, include Cena. Mm-hmm. I know Jim McCann loved it. I, I believe Steve Wacker enjoyed it. Um, and then in this issue, you get just a cool team up with mysteries around the larger narrative that Cena and Nathan have been doing with the Morlocks. And like, there's lots of talk about love and romance and all the stuff about being a superhero. It is a fun, buoyant issue.
1: All right, in, folks. Next up is the Immortal Hulk, number eight. Which is written by Al Ewing, pencils by Joe Bennett, inks by Roy Jose, colors by Paul Mounts, and letters by VCs Corpetti. My pick of the week. Oh, or you, one know love
0: two. you know it.
1: You know it. Oh man, so good. It is, oh, it's almost impossible to talk about because it's so good.
0: Yeah. A little warning at the front here. We've talked about Hulk in jars. Well, Hulk is in jars in this issue. Mm-hmm. Like pieces of Hulk in various jars, his heart sliced in two. And so it is gruesome stuff, mm-hmm. but when you get into it, you see what's going on because even though he's in jars, he lives. At night, he lives. I love that thought that like at night Hulk thrives. Mm-hmm. Like, it is gnarly. And there's some really neat discussion by the shadow-based scientist, Dr. Clive, about how they want to know the science behind why Hulk regenerates in some ways, but not others, which I think is just a neat sciencey discussion in the Marvel universe. Like, oh, you cut off Wade Wilson's hand, mm-hmm. another hand grows back. What about other pieces of I and mean, there was actually a story about the evil Deadpool and the various pieces of Deadpool put together years ago, which I thought, you know, it's just a neat thing. But like, why does Hulk not exactly function the same way? Man, Hulk and Jars though. Oof.
1: It is such a cool combination of like horror, body horror, myth building in so many ways. And really for me, like the way that this is all mixed together and done so beautifully in something that I've spoken about many times on this podcast, the terrifying mind of Al Ewing, because that guy is so smart and so good at writing comics. It comes out the other side, really. I, I have it in my notes. It just feels like poetry to me. It is yeah. so, so beautiful and just always more than a delight. Love it so much.
0: Yeah. And you've got the poetry of of what Al's putting together, but you know, it, it would not be the same without Joe Bennett oh, come uh, on. here doing oh the work. Oh my gosh. There's um this double page spread. Like this big splash right in the middle of the book. It is up there with those incredible moments of the series. And like I think of like that first issue Mm -hmm. where you have that double page spread of Hulk, and then the next is another double page spread. It still
1: gives me chills.
0: Of his face. It is the best. To me, this issue has that it's like very much up there. It's gorgeous and it's like scary and disgusting and wonderful. And then it is followed by another double page spread. And then we, we get to see The way Joe and Al picture the transformation from Hulk to Banner, and it is. You have to read this comic book. My goodness. All right. Up next is Infinity Wars number five, the penultimate issue of this event, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Mike Diodato Jr., colors by Frank Martin. Letters by VC's Corey Petit. One of the things I'm really digging about this is that it's a giant cosmic crossover, but with really heady thoughts about the nature of reality. Plus, massive tentacle spider universe devouring monsters. Mm-hmm. Plus, Loki leading a team of infinity stone wielders. I've just, I've really enjoyed this. I got two big battles that are raging here, and I, I honestly could have enjoyed full issues dedicated to either. I love everything Mike. Draws, but I want to call out his character work in particular here. It's just so great. His Loki, kind of greasy and sleazy Mm -hmm. and hot. Uh, Mm -hmm. His Hulk is massive and monstrous. His Emma sparkles and looks like a movie star. It's just, he's so dang good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, From Infinity Wars to Iron Fist, which is one of our Marvel Digital Original books, uh, it is 40 pages of Iron Fist action with. Issue number two, written by Clay McLeod Chapman, with art by Guillermo Sana and Lee Lowridge. Letters by VCs Travis Lanham. And this is chapters three and four of the Phantom Limb uh, stories, diving deeper into something we just talked about, body horror. Mm -hmm. It is body horror and just full-on, straight-up horror. Iron Fist in hell, Luke Cage possessed. Fights and tentacles and gross bodies and things and new fists, and it's just grody. It's neat, and it's nasty stuff, especially if you're looking for something on the darker and spookier side of mm-hmm. things. I think this is a book definitely you should check out.
1: Totally. All right. Speaking of the darker side of things, 20 years ago, a couple of young bucks named Joe and Jimmy had this idea.
0: <laughs> What's the idea? Uh,
1: this thing called Marvel Knights. Oh! Uh, and now... We are at the 20th anniversary of Marvel Nights. And to celebrate, we have Marvel Knights number one. And it's my first pick of the week.
0: Bah, 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 bah.
1: Oh, yeah. It's written by Donny Cates with pencils by Travel Foreman, inks by Derek Friedolfs, colors by Matt Mila, and letters by Corey Petit. This issue starts with Matt Murdock... In a graveyard, looking at Karen Page's grave and not knowing where he is, who he is, who Karen Page is, what's happening. And then a police officer named Frank Castle, dun, dun, dun. what shows up and does his best to remind him. There are story elements that are cast far off here. You pretty much get that immediately. You see that we're starting out in a bunch of different points and we'll slowly see how those things all weaving together. We see that certainly in this single issue as we just begin this, this limited series run. And there's a moment, like I said, because Matt doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know anything that he's reminded of the fact that he is daredevil and that he's the man without fear. And there is one of my favorite pages in recent memory. It's a, just an incredible kind of look at, A single page kind of encapsulation almost with a bunch of different looks at Daredevil and art styles from throughout the years. As he kind of is shocked back into reality, into his consciousness, then we kind of start this tale. Essentially, the world is blind to him. No one can see him. No one knows him. He's completely kind of lost in a void here. There are people he knows and loves everywhere, but they don't know and love him at this point in time. It's going to be really, really cool to uh, slowly unravel the mystery of what's happening here. But there is a specific choice in this issue that I love so much. Okay, so you've seen the movie The Departed. I sure have, Tucker. Okay, one of my favorite things about that movie, one of my favorite things about movies in general is the title splash page or a title card in a movie. This issue just holds it and holds it and holds it And then 15 pages in, you finally get it. Woo! i jumped out of my chair when i turned this page because there's this awesome dramatic moment you turn the page and it says marvel Knights, and you're like come on rock and roll yeah. uh it's so cool uh i mentioned the departed because that title card like comes up like i don't know 23 minutes in the movie or something i wanted to pick this issue in particular for a specific reason which i shall not discuss no. oh stay tuned but uh some fun marvel nights stuff happening.
0: Yes. You have some fun marvel Knight stuff happening, which we will be talking about more in time. Oh, yeah. So it should be pretty cool. But thanks to our advertiser, Marvel Strike Force, we actually have a really cool Marvel RPG to talk about this week. You fight alongside the greatest heroes and most dangerous villains in Marvel storytelling in this epic, cool RPG. Basically, the world It's under attack and uh, you have to recruit a team made of your favorite superheroes and supervillains to take down that threat, save the world, and feel like a hero in this adventure.
1: Featured this month in Marvel Strike Force is the arrival of the Brotherhood of Mutants, Magneto and his dark band of cohorts have joined the fight, and you can recruit the entire Brotherhood team and show the world why mutants truly are superior. Ooh. You can shapeshift with Mystique, you can ignite the fight with Pyro, crush the competition with Juggernaut, and unleash the animal within with Sabretooth.
0: And coming soon, you're going to get a Magneto legendary event. Big can miss battle where, you know, you gather a team of X-Men and Brotherhood characters and you fight their enemies for a chance to recruit Magneto to your team. It's going to be really cool. And you don't need a mutant gene to play this. All you got to do is download Marvel Strike Force today. OK, from big epic team battles of Marvel Strike Force, but now to a really fun book called Marvel Superhero Adventures, Captain Marvel Mealtime Mayhem. Numero uno. And uh, this one is this sort of thing that we're going for with these superhero adventures books. A bunch of little stories, some comic strips. It's a lot of fun. We've got the first feature in here by writer Shauna McGuire, art by Irene Strakowski and Jim Campbell. And it's called Slice of Life. It is about Ghost Spider, a.k.a. Spider Gwen, going up against Venom in a pie shop. Yeah, It's so cute uh oh big shouts first to our listener chris burseth who sent a tweet showing a picture of his daughter reading the halloween issue of marvel superhero adventures having picked it up after hearing of it in the show which made me so happy like that is why we like why we tell people to check out books and like seeing that in action is so cool and we've seen that over and over again over the years and it still gives me wonderful feels but Canonically now, Ghost Ghostbiter likes pie, mm-hmm. which I really appreciate. She's now an even greater hero in my mind. But, Seanan prefers cake. Wow. Yeah. Seanan also told me that that means there's more pie for me, because she <laughs> will enjoy the cake. Seanan, she is very wise. We all know this. Tucker, I need to know, where do you land on
1: pie? I don't give a... Don't even ask. I don't give a damn. You can't okay? eat any of it. Can't have gluten. I don't care. You're just making me mad, ruining my my day come on that's one more for pie so you know what yeah do whatever you want with my vote (laughs) yeah
0: better believe i (laughs) I did uh all right next is a story called thankful by sean ryan with art by mario del panino and jim campbell and then you've got this like really cute story of spider-man and thor and loki but if you ever wanted to see thor riding piggyback style with spider-man This comic has it for you. Plus, we've got these Daily Bugle funnies by Ty Templeton and Kieran Smith. And it's just so fun, so cute. Lots of comics, especially great for uh, readers
1: young, old, all ages. Mm -hmm. And moving on to another book that definitely works for uh, readers young and old. And it is so good all the time. It's Runaways. And this is issue number 15, which is written by Rainbow Rowell. With art by Chris Anka, colors by Matthew Wilson, and letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. So we're a little bit in the eye of the storm here, as the children or the offspring of the Gibberim are after the runaways. Alex Wilder has returned. He's kind of he's added a lot of conflict to the mix amidst this team that already had plenty of it. But this issue in particular is about Nico Minoru and I really don't know how I'm going to talk about this at all. Should My I, notes should are I... so
0: minimal for this yeah. one because it's hard to talk about it without spoiling yeah. everything. It is tremendous and is a mainly a spotlight for Nico, uh, which for many of you, I think that's enough of a selling point. Totally. She's so cool. But you get big historical and character revelations yeah. around her, which is – and really, it's kind of a potential game changer yeah. for her, I which would...
1: I think is – super cool yeah it's awesome i was in a meeting last week and nick lowe was talking about this issue and he said you know issue 15 has a big status quo change for nico and people are going to be talking about it i mean nico had it rough she's always had it rough but man this just adds a whole new layer
0: yeah up next is shatter star number two written by tim seeley art by carlos via Inks by Juan Vlasco, Flashback art in here by Gerardo Sandoval with colors uh, across the board by Carlos Lopez. And inks by VCs Corey Petit. This issue really digs into the people that Shatterstar loves and why it's so hard for him to handle that love, especially with Richter, which I think is a neat thing. And I, there's this like, thing where Richter calls him Ben, mm-hmm. uh, which is his... like. Earth name, uh, which I think is just really cute. Also, kind of sad in, in the context of everything that's going on. I dig having two artists on a book like this, so you can have the flashback scenes that look and feel different. If you're a fan of early '90s Shatterstar or of his more recent time in X Factor and uh, his developing relationship with Richter, the series does have something for you.
1: Next up, look out, massage your throat muscles, Agent uh, M. H&M. It is. Here we go. You say it. No, you say it. Oh man, I need okay. to hear you say it. Okay, here we go. It's issue number three of Spider geddon Oh man, that was bad. What are you doing? <laughs>
0: do you not know how to growl?
1: Uh, really? I was so that was so like. Come I, on, you can do it. That was so wow. Uh, okay, S- Spider geddon <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> Come on, you can. I can believe in you, man. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, it's based on a story by Dan Slott. Spider Gutter. Uh, it's written by Christos Gage. Pencils by Carlo Barberi and Todd Nock. Inks by Jose Marzan Jr. and Todd Nock. Colors by David Curiel. And litters by V.C. Stravis Lanham.
0: Guess what? Burr, 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 burr is my second pick of the week. And oh, you better believe it because it's got Leopardon up in this in Japanese Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. So, Spider-Man, I am very excited. Uh, shout out to one of the variant covers for this issue, which features Leopardon very prominently on it. Looks so cool. I gotta say... Everything that's going on in the world, there's still some good. We get a book like this mm-hmm. with spider and, and Leopardon. That means there's hope. Left in this universe for us. Uh, Anyway, we've got Superior Octopus looking to kill the Inheritors and and Miles looking to stop them. Both of them are out recruiting. And I love this kind of issue. You know, like they're just building a team. They're getting together. You have like little quips and little asides. And you're seeing all the personalities come out. This issue, we see Spider-Man from Marvel. Spider-Man for PlayStation 4 making it into the mix. He and Superior Spider-Man meet Leopardon and Japanese Spider-Man. It is a glorious full-page splash of Mega Kaiju Battle Glory. It is so neat. There's uh, you know, Game Universe Spidey, he's so fun because his perspective is: yeah, he's got eight years of experience being Spider-Man, but this is the first time he's seeing anything this wild. And he's just having fun. He's like, Oh, you're Spider-Man too. Hey guy, what's up? And he's just mm-hmm. like, enjoying life and he's with a version of his mentor who just betrayed him and like this whole, there's all kinds of stuff going on. So, you know, and then you have the flip side, we have Miles recruiting to build his team. We get to see a bigger picture of both squads featuring spiders we know as well as some who have appeared in Vault of Spiders and Edge of Spider-Verse. So if you read those series and you're wondering how those characters start to fall into things, this is where you're seeing that. It also connects you into Spider-Girls, Ghost Spider, into Spider Force and you see like how those books connect directly to the main story. It is just a super fun issue of team dynamics, big battle, dramatic moments and so much more.
1: I, I was just so like impressed by the like bold choice and loving it so much that Spider-Man and Leopardon are just like brought into the fold in such a huge way. It's not like, oh, they make a nice fun cameo or something. It's like, no, they're playing a big part in this issue and yeah. <laughs> it's Spider-Gwen and it's so cool. Yeah, cuz they're the coolest freaking characters yeah. we have. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Get out of here, MODOK. Move yeah. over, Thana. No, I, you know what? I can't say that. I'm Whoa. sorry, Charles. I mean, sweet boy. Up next is Star Wars number 56. Written by Kieran Gillen, art by Andrea Brocado, colors by Guru Effects, and letters by VC's Clayton Cowles.
1: And it's my second pick of the week. You, you talked over your own bell ringing. Ring it again. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> We're going to keep that. I want to keep that. <laughs> uh, just a real. Uh, uh, anyway, this issue. Oh, man, so much fun. First of all, I want to give a shout out to the cover artist on this issue, Jamal Campbell. So good, like great Technicolor, old school uh, Star Wars uh, in a really fun, fast moving space fantasy way. And then Andrea Bricardo. Oh, man, so good on the interiors. Andrea just brings a totally different vibe to this book, and I love it so much so much the whole issue f- to me felt like it had the tone not necessarily anything super beyond that but it definitely had the tone and certain story elements of in Star Wars A New Hope of the Moss Eisley sequence so kind of after stuff hits the fan in Mos Eisley, after when it's kind of like Luke selling a speeder and they're going to Docking Bay 94 and, you know, they're on the run. Basically, it's just it's this team in this issue. We see Han and Luke and Leia and Sana on the run from the Empire. And it's a very similar vibe where they've kind of got like their hoods on. They're looking over their shoulder and they're doing their best to not be seen. Uh, you know, it just brings out the best in everyone because it brings out the hero and Luke. It brings out the the rogue and Han, who's just kind of frustrated the entire way. And uh, to see how Leia and Sana interact in particular in this issue is so much fun. Yeah, this is, this is actually my favorite issue of Star Wars in a really long time. I loved it so much. It's the start of a new arc. And uh, yeah, this is as good a time as any to jump on board.
0: There, you mentioned some parts of it reminded you of *A New Hope*, but some parts of it reminded me of *Empire*. Mm-hmm. In like when they're in the what is the the big space worm called?
1: Um, chomp I, chomp. I believe it might just be called a space worm. I'm gonna call it <laughs> chomp chomp. Uh, when they're inside the chomp chomp, <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of that. Yeah, it's well, like, you know what? Appropriately so, because this story takes place between *A New Hope* and *Empire*. There you go. Man, it's almost like they know what they're doing. Yep. So good. Uh, Moving on to another Star Wars book right now. We have Star Wars Han Solo Imperial Cadet, number one. It's written by Robbie Thompson with art by Leonard Kirk Colors by Arif Prianto, and Letters by V.C.'s Joe Caramagna. This is really cool, and is really deaf storytelling by Robbie, who is writing the Han Solo, Solo Star Wars Story adaptation, limited series. Uh, this book kind of weaves in and out of that story uh, a little bit. We see some common moments. We see some moments that we saw in the movie, thinking on Corellia in particular, where Han is kind of just being a, a, just a little no-good Nick, trying to survive trying to steal, trying to run away. But of course, this issue and, and this series will focus on Han's time with the Empire. So it's really, really cool to see those moments that work. We saw little bits of, but then I know there are a lot of deleted scenes from this part of Han's story from the movie that weren't in the final theatrical cut. But this really focuses in on, it's just, it is so a fish out of water or more, more particularly like, A mammal in the water might be the best way to say it for multiple reasons. One, because human beings are mammals and Han is in the rain a lot in this (laughs) issue. Uh, Two, because it's not like Han is out of his element. Han kind of naturally adapts to all elements, but this is like he is taken and put into one place that he does not belong. And that is the Imperial Army where he is just kind of told to be a certain way, told to do certain things. And of course, we know that won't fly with this fly boy. And yeah, I, I love it. I think Robbie just gets it. And he writes the character so well, and it's so much fun. It just has that fly by the seat of your pants vibe all the way through. And it's just it's just a delight.
0: You know, I'm, I'm in the tank for Robbie. Oh, yeah. No matter what. I think he's a great writer. He's a great man. Uh, next president of comic <laughs> books. And uh, I think... One of the things I really dug about this was the way he sort of bookended this issue Mm -hmm. in a certain way. I won't give anything away, but the way he does that is a really smart thing because it gives you a single issue that feels complete. You get from one end to the other and it feels very much its own story, but it is also very much a part of a larger story that he's telling across these five issues. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, did we know that Han had joined the Empire prior to the solo film?
1: Um, yes, that was certainly in, like, Legends lore, well-established, but in terms of, I think in in Solo Star Wars stories, the first time that it was officially established, although many people, you know, knew that would be included as an an element of the story.
0: Cool, update Wikipedia, Tucker says. Here we go. That's what we know. (laughs) Official source. (laughs) All right, up next is Typhoid Fever X-Men, number one, written by Clay McLeod Chapman, art by Will Robson and Danilo S. Beruth colors by Rochelle Rosenberg and Dono Sanchez amaro with letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Look, Mary is a mutant with telekinetic and pyrokinetic powers who has disassociative identity disorder. It is intense and scary. There are some neat sequences in here uh, as the X-Men and Spider-Man are battling various aspects of Mary and her powers, but it is, again, intense and scary. The piece where the X-Men are inside the old soap opera that Mary was a part of, was neat but it's it's super sad like think of of what Mary goes through it is a heartbreaker and then Mary, when Mary starts messing with her memories and feelings woof there's some great gene stuff in here as well but there's a lot happening here emotionally
1: yeah, yeah. yes and certain themes that uh, we'll touch back on in a second with X-Men Red but first we have another X-book with Weapon X number 25 it's written by Greg Pak and Fred Van Lente with art by Luca Pizzari Colors by Frank D'Armada and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. I love that Weapon X has just fully embraced the darker side of mutandum and of heroism within mutandum. Because there are many ways to be good guys, and that includes being kind of a bad guy in order to be a good guy, which is what Weapon X as a series is all about. This is kind of the Weapon X squad has been trapped, and they're fighting their way out. And they're going up against Striker as well as a bunch of just a litany of bad folk. But this issue really, for me, is all about Luca Pizzari because this is like another level. Weapon X has had a bunch of different artists, I feel like, on it, offering varying tones and ways of penciling and certain colorists coming on board this creative team and this art team in particular i loved it so much because i felt like totally engrossed totally inside this narrative there is what for me is becoming a more and more a hallmark of this series which is just super dynamic super fast moving you can just feel them ripping through the pages there's a ton of bamfing as well uh, because
0: it's the return of Azazel. Oh yeah, yeah. Brr, 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 brr. Nightcrawler's dad. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into his deal because it's a whole lot. But he's a demon, but also I guess kind of a mutant. And Azazel is in this story because the Weapon X Force team wants to go to hell. They want to go to hell so they can beat up something worse than a demon. I love this book. So cool. It is bonkers. And then a real crazy old
1: slice. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: also, shout out to Raza, as I often do oh, we man. talk about this book. Yeah. That cover, holy moly. Incredible. So good. All right. Up next is X23, number six, written by Mariko Tamaki, art by George Duarte, and colors by Chris O'Halloran, with letters by VCs Corey Petit. Look, after the intense and Just traumatic first storyline. This is a wonderfully refreshing change of pace. Laura and Gabby, a.k.a. Wolverine and Honey Badger, going undercover in a high school to stop a secret evil science and cloning situation. Mariko writes Gabby having created fake mission names and file numbers for their cases that they'd go on. And I am 100% into the idea of a Honey Badger war journal series. Sort of like Punisher's
1: War Journal from the 80s and 90s. I want that. For me, this proves to me that Gabby and Laura and X-23 as a series, it's like the most versatile series, the most versatile characters, because exactly like you said, you can go from like this super, super dark, emotional story. And then you come to this, where it's like this super joyful, super fun, really funny uh, story. And like these characters just slot in so naturally and just makes so much sense. But we have more X-action here to wrap everything up with. X-Men Red number 10, which is written by Tom Taylor, with art by Rohe Antonio, colors by Rain Barreto, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. We get uh, Laura and we get Honey Badger involved here, of course. Best first page of the week. Yep. Come on. Yeah. Come on. I mean, it's it's so good. Jean Grey
0: angrily cursing at humanity. (laughs) Full page splash.
1: Yeah, it's... It's so good. This this issue is it's really interesting. It it feels like something big is brewing and there's kind of travel around to a bunch of different places, a bunch of different perspectives. And we're seeing that uh, kind of everyone is kind of prepping for I in writing my notes I always say like, is this a fight? Or is this a battle? Or is this a war? And this one feels like war mm. level because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there is so much happening. There are so many different characters swirling around this kind of led by Jean and Cassandra Nova. But I love to see the red team really all come together, embrace their allies in a really big way, which is super cool. Like this is a team team up in a really awesome way that it's just like, I don't know. This felt like, can you think of like a great crossover event that like blew your mind as a kid? Executioner uh, song. Yeah, well, there you go. It's something like that or like, It's like if uh, the Muppets met, I don't know, Kiss or something.
0: Or or Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah,
1: sure. (laughs) It would be the point is it's just to see a bunch of these characters all come together. Also cannot let a single X-Men Red issue go by without shouting out Jenny Frizen, who just is up there with the best cover artists around. An Incredible cover here of Gene.
0: Yeah, it's very specific, like to do a portrait cover. It's a lot because you can't fill the the space with a lot of different images. Mm -hmm. You have to really be ready to present something that is just this character, getting them across properly and impactfully. And it's a tough thing to do. Oh, yeah, it's just one character. No, there's a skill to it. And she crushes it every time. I do want to say, if you've not been reading X-Men Red, they have a hijacked sentinel on the team that has rainbows across the front and they're using it for good it is a wonderful comic book
1: (laughs) all right collections on sale this week include ant-man and the wasp lost and found champions volume four northern lights domino volume one marvel rising marvel knights by joe quesada omnibus in hardcover Marvel's Avengers Infinity War, the art of the movie in hardcover, Star Wars Lando double or nothing, Star Wars The Last Jedi adaptation. Oh, man, that's so good. And X-Men Mutant Massacre Omnibus in hardcover. Mutant Massacre.
0: Intense. Good to see that in Omnibus. Domino Volume One, high recommendation. Really love this series. Now it's out in collection and Marvel Rising as well. I think that's a a book. uh, I'm not sure everybody checked out when it first came out because it was like, what is Marvel Rising? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Ooh, it's awesome. It is a really great team up story of Squirrel Girl and Ms. Marvel and the rest of the Marvel Rising characters. It's fantastic. Also on the Marvel app this week, there's a bunch of books, but. I have to give my absolute highest weird recommendation to a book called Ruins. The Ruins series is up on the app this week. It was uh, sort of a what-if version of Marvels. So you know Marvels mm. as the story of the, the telling of the birth of the Marvel universe, really, from this one view. Well, this is what if everything went wrong, and it is horrifying and it is disgusting and it is sad and it is great. Nice. Highly recommend it uh, if you've never read it before. Digital Collections, there's a bunch of stuff you could check out the list that we'll put on the site, but uh, I want to give a shout out to Star the Slayer, uh, especially for the title of the collection, which is A Star is Born. Two R's up in there for Star's (laughs) name. And there's a bunch of comics on uh, Marvel Unlimited this week. We've got Warlock and the Infinity Watch issues and a lot of current stuff. We're starting to get into the Hunt for Wolverine books in there, and You Are Deadpool, which is sort of this interactive story that you can check out now on Marvel Unlimited. The full list of all these books we're going to put on Marvel.com and links and all that good stuff.
1: Right, Tucker? Uh, yeah, the full list of the pull list.
0: Pull list is the list is the list. Yeah. Great. We'll be back next week. I'm Ryan.
1: spider Gun, I'm Tucker. And this is Marvel. <laughs> You're